0: Yes, welcome on into Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. Thank you for making us a part of your day. I'm your host Lindsay Crosby, and I guess I should introduce myself, seeing as how it's my first episode. I do want to thank Aram Layton, our um, the former host of this show, for getting this show off the ground, getting it to where it is, and then Jeff Carr, the general manager for Locked On MLB and the host of Locked On Reds for for believing in me and giving me this opportunity, but. No, I am a a big Braves fan. I grew up in the age of the Superstation. So whether I lived in Florida, Georgia, or now Alabama, uh, I could always listen to the Braves. And so I fell in love with baseball on the radio. I still love baseball on the radio. I got to enjoy that World Series championship with a radio call uh, while the TV was muted. And and the big thing about baseball to me is there's just so much to learn about baseball. There's so many little intricate parts and strategy that fans can take part of. The NFL and the NBA, it's so there's so much actioning happening where it's hard to understand everything that's happening on the field. But a lot of what happens in baseball is individual things. It's a pitcher versus a batter, and and. And so as a fan, you can really get involved in that. You can understand what's going on. And I put out a call for questions for this first episode because I wanted to hear what some of the fans wanted to know. And I found it interesting. One of the questions I got, I loved this. It was right up my alley. Uh, Benji61 on Discord asked me, does pitchers not hitting in the minor leagues negatively impact their ability to hit at the MLB level. And this came from a conversation we were having about the pros and cons of the universal DH. And so I was like, you know what? Let me research that. This is really interesting. I'm going to check this out. And interesting fact I learned, rookie league and A-league teams always use the DH. Double A and triple A teams always have it unless the game is between two National League affiliates. It doesn't work like MLB where it, it... if it's National League and American League, then which home ballpark they're in. If the American League affiliate is involved at AA or AAA, you will have the DH. It is only when there's two National League affiliates that you don't. And MLB's talking about the universal DH and trying to figure out what they're going to do as far as, as is it going to be implemented both leagues? Is it going to stay as it is now? What's going to happen to it? I found it interesting. Um, uh, Now, I'm I'm not going to get into the pros and cons of having the DH or not having the DH across both leagues, because that's a whole show. I did find interesting, the Athletics' Jason Stark had an idea that they actually tried in the Atlantic League last year, the double-hook DH. The idea behind this is you have a DH until your starting pitcher leaves the game. When your starting pitcher leaves the game, you lose your DH, and at that point, you have to start doing the National League pinch hitters for your relief pitcher and double switches and all of that. And the... Jason's argument behind the double-hook DH was, one, it incentivizes teams to have their starting pitchers go deeper in games. Because if, when he, if he comes out in the fourth, you lose your DH. And then, two, it preserves the strategy required and the bench and that late-game management of the pinch hitters and double switches that National League teams have that American League teams just don't have to worry about. And so I thought it was interesting. Long Island Ducks manager Wally Backman said he he noticed they double switched more with having a DH than they would have in the National League. And kind of looking at the data, it looks like teams are prioritizing pitching matchups more than like the offensive advantage you get by having a DH bat over your pitcher. So... Kind of inconclusive as to what's going to happen with that. You know, it's fine. I get it. But back to the original question of does pitchers not hitting in the minor leagues negatively impact their ability to hit at the MLB level? So Max Marchi of Baseball Prospectus actually studied this. Now, granted, it was back in 2012, but he actually studied this. And so he looked at time in the minor leagues compared to early career OPS at the MLB level for those pitchers. So the first three years. This is the OPS um, from their hitting. And he found a slight negative correlation, 0.15, between time spent in the minors and early career OPS. So the longer you spend in the minors, on average, the lower your OPS is. Now, slight correlation, not entirely there. And there's a couple questions that come out of that. You have to wonder about You know, guys who get to MLB quicker, are they better athletes or, you know, better pitching prospects, usually better athletes. So that's why their OPS would be higher. He actually ran those numbers and there's a slight positive correlation like 0.07. So almost, almost enough to not even be telling of anything that says that OPS a lot as a pitcher and OPS recorded as a hitter. So that there's not, it's not the the better athletes automatically have better hitting when they get to the MLB level. So kind of inconclusive, but that's just one of those things where there's a lot of things you don't necessarily know for a fact in baseball. Like we don't know for a fact, other than the shortened season of 2020, what it's going to look like when you have a DH in both leagues. How is that going to change? And it's not one of those things you can fix Immediately, look at roster construction. National League roster construction just doesn't have that dedicated offensive hitter who doesn't have a position like American League's teams do. When you watch an interleague game and the National League teams at an American League park, oftentimes their DH is the fourth outfielder. I remember watching when the Braves went to Houston in the World Series. Their, their DH was outfielder Jorge Soler. Now, granted, he hit probably one of the longest home runs I've seen in Houston since Albert Pujols, uh, and he led off, which was, I don't think it's ever happened before. But the point is, National League roster construction is just different from American League roster construction. And that's something that you have to, you know, if they make this change in the new collective bargaining agreement and they say, we're going to have the Universal DH next year. You have very little time to adjust your roster for that compared to an American League team who has a guy who's making $30 million a year and his only job is to hit tanks. So that's something where there's not a ton of evidence to say that pitchers in the minor leagues are worse hitters because they spend time in the minor leagues not batting. They may bat depending on if they're If they're with a National League affiliate, plan a National League affiliate. But either way, I just think we should standardize one way or the other whatever we're doing with the DH. And we're talking about the collective bargaining agreement. Stay tuned for tomorrow's show. We'll have a little bit more on that. But first, it's the new year. And that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, might even be better than a candy bar. Uh, and it makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it's so good, you'll want to eat it. It's unlike other protein bars that are chalky or waxy or tastes like a chemical spill. Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Usual candy bar is 200 and something calories, 30 plus grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, in the car, whatever. Throw out all of your uh, sugary and calorie filled treats and replace them with built Bars. And there's so many flavors to choose from. You can have a different flavor in each stash. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and so much more. And in fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. And when you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so we're talking questions from the listeners. Morat68 on Twitter had a great question for me about the Texas Rangers. They dropped half a billion dollars combined on Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. 10 years, 325 for Corey Seager, 7 years, 175 for Marcus Simeon. So what's going to happen to the middle infield prospects behind those two guys? And the question was specifically about Ezekiel Duran and Josh Smith. So, Morat, thank you for the question. Um, If you have questions for the show, we're on Twitter at Farm. Feel free to send those over to us. So, both these guys were Yankees prospects who were part of the Joey Gallo deal. Ezekiel Duran was a 2017 international free agent. Josh Smith was a 2019 second-round pick. And I'm going to take these guys in order, and then we'll have a larger conversation about what to do in that system as a whole. Um, so Duran is Baseball America's fourth overall prospect uh, in the Rangers system. And he's an offensive first player. He just finished last season at High A Hickory, batted 229, 695 OPS. And he's listed as a second baseman shortstop, and, but he he's there for offense. He's an offensive first, first player. He's got good arm strength. And I think he has the defensive range for third base, but one, he's got to work on throwing accuracy. He, he's inaccurate too much. And if you're playing short or second, you can get away with it. But third, obviously a little bit harder. And one of the conversations folks are having when you look at this Rangers infield, because obviously you have to factor Seeker and Simeon in there for the next close to, you know, rounding out this decade, uh, people talk about Zico Durant's probably going to end up on third. And the conversation is, well, Yanni Hernandez is at third right now. And I think Yanni Hernandez is not the guy to worry about for the long-term solution at third. Josh Young's bat is going to force that conversation. Because uh, Yanni Hernandez doesn't have a ton of power, and Josh Young is really good. I mean, he's 90th percentile in exit velo. expected weighted on-base average is over 400. 90th percentile in bat speed. So he is... He, I, to me, he is the future of third base for the Texas Rangers. And so, Josh, uh, so Ezekiel Duran's one of those guys where I see him starting off next year, probably getting some time at a corner outfield spot. You know, he's, it's one of those things. Think about Austin Riley. Braves wanted to get Austin Riley's bat in the lineup. And so they put him in left field for a season. And it, it, it was, you had growing pains. I mean, he, Zeke Duran has decent speed. He's not going to be confused for somebody who's, you know, a huge stolen base threat and taking a bunch of bags, but I feel he has the speed to be an average defensive corner outfielder, and he's going to give you some work with the bat. He's going to give you some power. He's going to give you some of that. The other thing to, um, the other guy that we were asked about was Josh Smith and Josh Smith's a guy I like a lot. Uh, baseball America has him as the ninth prospect in the Rangers system. I actually have him as probably in in the top five or six. And he's a guy, he's got a great hitting approach. If you watch him, I think he has probably the best strike zone discipline in the entire Rangers system. I mean, he really, he really has a a very advanced approach at the plate, especially for a guy who, who hasn't played above double A. I mean, he, he spent what, 30 games at double A last year at Frisco um, had an 857 OPS, batted 294. I mean, really advanced approach does really well. Doesn't have elite speed, but he's quick enough with a good reaction to make him a double digit stolen base threat. And he's a guy who I see him being a super utility type guy who can play a bunch of different positions for you. And I think depending on how he does over the offseason with his conditioning and his workouts. It may be as soon as the back half of 2022 where he's able to contribute at the major league level. Obviously, if one of these guys gets hurt, you've got plenty of options around that infield uh, to to fill some time. I think the only way you're probably going to get Josh Smith uh, as an everyday contributor is if somebody misses time. But I think by 23, he can be that guy where super utility, you give people days off, he plays four days a week probably three or four different positions. And then if someone gets hurt, he's your everyday second baseman. He's your everyday shortstop for a month, for two months. And you don't feel that bad about it. There's a small drop off defensively from a Seager type guy, but he is providing you plenty of offense and making that spot worth it. And ultimately, Texas is going to be in a really enviable, enviable position come trade deadline time. They've got two locked-in elite guys up the middle, and then you've got all of this young talent behind them that you can move around. And so I, you know, and th- there's multiple middle infield prospects in this system that are valuable guys and would be valuable to other organizations. So I see this is where a bunch of guys go out there and try out some outfield spots. You have a bunch of guys who, you know, are the everyday shortstop at AAA or uh, the everyday second baseman at double A to keep them ready. And if you have injuries, if you have somebody who misses, you know, Seager or Simeon misses some time, you can move everybody up a little bit uh, to fill that time. And then a lot of pieces you can move around to the trade deadline to go out and get an impact bat or to go out and get a pitcher or whatever you may need to fill a spot on your team. And um, of these guys, you're looking at the outfit. I actually think Josh Smith with the bat, is advanced enough right now where they try him as the regular center fielder sooner rather than later. Uh, Instead of a super utility guy, I mean, he may just end up playing center field. And if he can play average to above average defense in center field with the offensive approach that he's shown, he can be an everyday starter on this team by 23. And there's some other possibilities in this system too. You look at Uh, Dustin Harris is a first base, third base guy who I see is probably a starter at the corner by 24. Uh, Maximo is a shortstop second base guy. If he can ever get healthy, I can see him by 25, You know, maybe doing something either in the outfield or uh, possibly even center field. He does have some good range. Uh, but again, that's one of those things where you've got a lot of options, but you're going to be moving a lot of guys around trying to find um, finding stuff in the outfield and then figuring out who's going to be that key guy to back someone up if there's some injuries. And Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Remember, the Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year; they have a new updated desktop and mobile website where you can sign up today to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to get started. I mean, everything from football, basketball, hockey, baseball to UFC, right to your favorite—I mean—Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Remember that betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Just go to betonline, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline, where the game starts. Quick preview of tomorrow's show. This question actually is about Matt Brash but it also is going to tie into a lot of tomorrow's show about um, how scouting can help you in the next few years because we l- missed a whole season. So Daisy Dingo's on Twitter asked, what's your take on Matt Brash's profile? There seems to be a lot of people in the Mariners circle who think he can be a starter, but I'm not sure if he has a viable offering outside of the fastball slider combo. Uh, so thank you for the question. Again, if you have questions for the show, tweet us at LockedOnFarm or email the show LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com uh we'd love to take your questions we'll make this a regular feature where we can tell folks hey here's what we're up to here's what we're doing you have any questions we can take care of you so matt brash was a fourth round pick in 2019 out of niagara i think he's like the third or fourth player ever drafted out of niagara Uh, and he was acquired from the padres by the mariners for taylor williams and this was an absolute steal and and this is where scouting has an incredibly valuable place in baseball, still. And again, more about that on tomorrow's show. But Brash missed some time at Niagara. I think it was his. Uh, I think it was it was sophomore junior year with a shoulder injury, and then he wasn't ready to go. The start of the season last year, he missed some time at spring training and you know and instructs and everything, and so the Padres didn't have a good idea of his value of what he of what his potential was, and. He was ranked 288th out of the draft, wasn't in the Padres' top 30 in 2020, uh, and now he's the 99th prospect in the entirety of minor league baseball. I think that's Baseball America's ranking there. And again, it's one of those things where, I mean, he was a player to be named later in the Taylor Williams deal, so he wasn't highly coveted by most teams, but the Mariners went out and got him, and again, absolutely stole him, so his fastball when you heard at Dingo's it in the question his fastball slider combo is his main bread and butter the fastball is plus plus i mean big velocity 96 to 99 high spin on it good movement it's a filthy pitch i mean it's one of it's one of the better pitches uh, that i've seen in the Mariners minor league system and then the slider is plus plus when it's on so he can tunnel both those pitches really well uh, an exceptional amount of movement on the slider, so it's something where that combo together is really potent. And if that's all that he did, that's all that he had, he would look very appealing as a, you know, as a late inning reliever, a high leverage situation guy who can come and he can be your fireman out of the bullpen, put out a, you know, put out a fire and get you out of an inning with just those two good pitches. But he's got more. Uh, the changeup. The changeup is good. He can spot it well. Uh, it's got plenty of arm side fade, but it's a little inconsistent. Um, you saw walk issues with him with that when he was in Arkansas, Double um, A Arkansas. And he has a knuckle curve. It's a project pitch. I mean, that's, that's the best I can say right now. It's a project pitch. He can throw it for strikes, but it's not. I mean, it's not at best you're looking at an average pitch. And so he's yeah, like I said, controls iffy. He's got some walk issues. He needs to figure out more consistency with that changeup. He needs to develop that knuckle curve or some fourth offering into a into an actual weapon that he can use. And then the concerns that I have with him is his arm action is violent. Uh, he has a whip into his delivery. It's very high effort, and it's something he. It's repeatable, but this is one of those situations where I don't know if having a pitching motion that's repeatable is actually a good thing. Uh like I said, missed half a season at Niagara, wasn't ready for instructs in 21. Now in his defense, he had no 2020 season. So he was, you know, coming back up to live game activity, ramping up for instructs, and just didn't quite, you know, his body wasn't ready to handle it. But you know, he has had injury issues in the past. And like I said, that that arm action. Um, that delivery. So it's, it's high effort and violent and whippy. And you see guys like that, those smaller guys like he is that have those incredibly elaborate, violent arm actions. You see them have shoulder issues. You see them have joint issues. You see them have muscle strains because they're putting so much behind it. So the verdict on Matt Brash, exceptional ceiling. I mean, he could be a top half of the rotation starter for the Mariners. He has... The fastball slider combo is one of the better combos of pitches in the Mariner system right now. I mean, this is a good kid. He, like I said, this was a steal from the Padres, uh, but he has more volatility than most prospects do because he's had those injury issues. He has that. He has that arm action that you know that that I just I worry about. And so, if his co- his command. His durability and his development all have to come together, and if they don't, that's where you're going to struggle uh, to get the value out of Matt Brash. So he has a he has a very high ceiling, but since availability is a skill, I feel like he has a pretty low floor as well. He's missed, like I said, he missed college time, he missed pro time, and it's something where. You worry about down the road, how long is he going to be able to keep up doing what he's doing with that arm action looking like it does? So, great question. Daisy Dingo's on Twitter, thank you very much for the questions. If you have questions for the show, again, you can reach out to us. Uh, the show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm. I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Uh, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, obviously. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. And then if you have any questions for the show, tweet at us, at me, or email LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Stick around for tomorrow's show. We have a lot of big picture stuff about minor league baseball. We're talking about Endeavor Sports, purchasing nine minor league teams. We're talking about uh, the role of scouting since we've missed a 2020 season. And we're talking about some stuff in the new collective bargaining agreement. This has been Locked On MLB Prospects.